Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and joining me from across the pond, I'm just a boy and he's my heron. It's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you, sir? I'm actually just a man in a heron suit who uh, sometimes <laughs> protrudes outside of it. So um, You've got those human yeah. teeth. Uh, um, uh, and the nose. Um, oh. I am doing well. Uh, you know, ready to, to first time we're talking about a Studio Ghibli film. And yes. uh, first time we're talking about a Hao Miyazaki film because we didn't have the podcast when his last film came out. So it's it's a big deal. No, you 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 are entirely correct. There have been Ghibli films since uh, the Earwig and the Whale in twenty twenty, being one of them. But we didn't cover that. And from everything I've heard, play near me, yeah. probably for the best as well because it's I've, the I've lowest rated things. film uh, release, and it's released by um, Hayao Miyazaki's son, uh, which I've got a fun fact on him later on. But um, but no, good. I'm glad to hear you're doing right, my friend. You keeping Florida safe and well. Doing my best, sir. Uh, you know, just day by day, action by action, trying to that. keep everything afloat. I hear that, my friend. Um, I have a white mocha from Starbucks. I say from Starbucks. Oh. I haven't left the house today. Uh, I've actually it's from the the coffee machine. Um, I have coffee pods, but I've got that ready to fuel me for so, tonight's episode, my friend. I have an iced coffee uh, with me that's decaf because uh, my did you local leave the grocery house? store. I, I did, but that's not where I got the coffee. I actually, mm-hmm. um, my grocery store has cold brew, you know, like yeah, they have a lot of different brands, like every, but uh, one brand was on sale, uh, buy one, get one free. And none of them have ever had decaf in the cold brew until this brand, which I don't remember the name of the brand. So I'm not, I'm not, we're not sponsored by them anyways, but I can't even say like, so if listeners, if you want, there is at least one cold brew company that does decaf. Now there are other like cold brew is like extremely caffeinated. Like it's on the top of the bottle is like 279 milligrams per serving. I'm like, holy <laughs> cow, I'm gonna die. Um, and so I was like excited that they had decaf. So I'm drinking uh, decaf, but I, I do like a, I can drink coffee black because I like coffee, but I also like a little sweet uh, in my coffee because I don't eat a lot of sweets anymore. And I bought um, one of the, I can't remember, International, I don't remember the freaking creamer companies, but one of the creamer companies has a Grinch-inspired uh, sugar cookie flavor, okay. um, and I just bought that uh, right before this podcast. I went grocery shopping uh, early in the morning. And um, it is delicious. Uh, I am I'm liking this way more than I wanted to because I'm like it's going to be gone and I'm not going to be able to get it. Um, but yeah, the Grinch sugar cookie flavor uh, coffee creamer, real tasty. Um, it is not a sugar free one though, so it is real sugar, which I try to avoid. But I was like, ah, it's Christmas. I'm going to have a little bit of that. And you're damn cool. right, you will do. It's Christmas. It's a time of uh, celebration and eating far too much food and having far too many calories and caffeine, JB. I know I am very much the devil on John's shoulder for those who are new to the show. If he, I'll go out and buy my donuts and John will say, well, I don't, we we don't do that around here. We'll say, and I say, yes, you do. You're going to do it now. It's Christmas. And uh, he never, he never gives in to my um, poor coercion, but it's never going to stop. However, uh, decaffeinated drinks. So I'll add a cold brew as well. I'll allow that, my friend. Mine is mine is full caffeine. I'll go say that right now to give me a bit of a boost for today's episode. And I'm going to watch. I've got some films I'm going to watch this weekend. Uh, I'm very excited to go and see those. I know you've seen both of them, but uh, looking forward to talking about those more next week on the show. But well, for tonight, then, my friend, let's get into 
this the episode the main discussion for tonight we usually do a spoiler episode for our films we're not doing one for this week because well it retains the magic of what studio ghibli can provide one of the one of the great animation studios if not the greatest of all time you know we want you guys to experience the twists and turns for yourselves. Uh, so we'll be giving our our thoughts on the on the film. We'll be looking at the themes and messages, and of course, we'll be giving our review of it and what we think about it as well. So let's dive into it. The Boy and the Heron, directed like JB said by Hayao Miyazaki, and uh, as I heard one day in a very popular film, somehow Miyazaki returned. The man who <laughs> retired in 2013. Uh, and I think, believe also tried to retire in 2001 after Spirited Away has come back to apparently give us his final ever film. So one of the all-time greats of, of film and definitely one of the Mount Rushmore of animation Yeah, is apparently this is his swan song. So bearing that in mind a little bit whilst watching it, he also wrote the film. Now, the film, as with all Ghibli films, has a native Japanese cast and a English-speaking cast. John, which version did you see? I was going to ask if you saw subbed or dubbed. I ended up seeing... Um, I actually wanted to see dubbed, which is what I, I saw, uh, because the voice cast was exciting to me. Um, and I, I, while I'm a fan of, of the uh, subbed versions, um, mm-hmm. the Ghibli brand especially the g kids uh dubs which have been i didn't know there i just learned a lot i've been listening to multiple podcasts about this movie in preparation for our podcast um but uh like michael keaton is the voice of porco rosso so like when i watched porco rosso for the first time i had to watch it dubbed because i'm like it's michael keaton i have to hear keaton and that was my vibe with this is i'm like okay wait it's robert pattinson christian bales in this um I can't remember the rest, uh, but there's it's an incredibly good voice cast. What did, what did you go with? I also went with the dubbed, though I am a bit more of a, a snob and a purist. So when I, I like yeah. to watch these the first time um, subbed as in the way that they were originally presented. But like you said, the, 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 the dubs now are fantastic. And I, I, I can't speak to this because I haven't seen the subbed, but some, generally I don't lose too much in translation. I don't think um, I don't think. Uh, what I'm missing out on what Miyazaki was attempting to get across with the Japanese cast. I think for the last few I've seen have been very well handled, but you know, if anybody out there can tell me that actually the English voice cast aren't quite as emotive or whatever, then please do let me know. But the cast then for this film, uh, I'll give you the uh, kind of, I'll give you both Uh, in English. um, Luca Padovan plays Mahito or voices Mahito Maki uh, Soma Santoki in Japanese. The Grey Heron is voiced by Robert Pattinson and Masaki Suda. Lady Himi is Karen Fukuhara and Amyon. Uh, Natsuko is voiced by Gemma Chan and Yoshino Kimura. Shoiki Maki by Christian Bale and Takuya Kimura. The Grand Uncle Mark Hamill and Shohei Kino. Yeah. Kiriko is Florence Pugh and Ko Shibasaki. The Noble Penguin, Willem Dafoe and Karu Kobayashi. And finally, the Pelican. Parakeet King. Noble Pelican, not a Penguin. The Noble Sorry, Noble Penguin. I saw what did I, I? I've seen something that made me think of a penguin. Maybe uh, some sort of Batman reference. I don't know. I saw. I wouldn't be penguin. surprised if Defoe has done a penguin in something. He's done a lot of voices. So he's got a voice that can translate to any anything, whether human or animal. Um, so Noble Pelican. Yep, William Defoe, Karu, Kobayashi, and finally the Parakeet King, voiced by Dave Batista in a studio Studio Ghibli film, and Jun Kunimura for the Japanese original um voice cast and just as a side note 
in, I just found it's quite cool. There are a lot of parakeets in this film, which we'll mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in English, in the English dub, the 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 voices are provided by Mamadou Afi, Tony Revoluri, and Dan Stevens. You know, just what a cast for that. Rolling out exactly, rolling out these huge casts, uh, huge names. Just you know, I say just, but to play parakeets in this film, it's very, 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 very cool. Um, and then there are um secondary tertiary characters furthermore from there but there's your main cast also just so we could extol upon you just how good that the cast is on both sides as well i've done a little looking to the japanese voice cast and they are in terms of the japanese cinema some fantastic voice actors as well so we're getting um we're getting miyazaki's final film so gorgeous they're gunning on both um both sides with a great voice cast the animation is as you'd expect it to be We'll get to that shortly, though. My friend, what is it about? We don't do spoilers, but I am going to read a synopsis. Uh, so if you consider this a mild spoiler, blame IMDB. So a young boy named Mahito, yearning for his mother, ventures into a world shared by the living and the dead. There, death comes to an end and life finds a new beginning. A semi-autobiographical fantasy from the mind of Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, the Studio Ghibli is uh, generally a studio which is adored by fans and critics alike, not sycophantically, because the films are generally bloody good. This is seemingly no different, John. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics score 96% and the audience score 91%. Metascore, how about this? 92 on Metascore, which is no, insane. Uh, I can't downplay that enough. Uh, IMDb though has it at seven point six out of ten on the user score, and Letterboxd reliably has this at four out of five. Uh, this is now playing in select theatres across the world. I'd say it's not. Uh, it's done very well, actually. It's done really well at the box office, but it isn't. It hasn't got a, a straight up wide release. I know, John, you were saying that um, certain Ghibli films don't always come to your local, do they? Uh, I mean from my recollection throughout my life, I've never mm. had, I mean, we get now Ghibli fest, but even that doesn't come to like my local theater. Like you mm. got to drive from where I live about an hour in one direction to find it. But they, they, that's a newer thing. That's like the last few years they've been doing that. But um, I don't remember spirited away playing at our mall when I was like, and I was actively going to the movies when spirited away came out or mm. house moving castle. I have now seen them like through fathom events, but I've still always had to drive like an hour away. And I'm really irritated this year because we got Suzume. Yes. Which I liked. We, but we got that at my local theater. That's five minutes from my house. And we did not get the boy in the hair. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Like you clearly know there's an anime fan base here in this County, especially not me, not my age, but like when I was teaching high school, my high school students love anime. So there's an audience for it here. And we've we got the um, we got the Dragon Ball Z movie. We got the, uh, the Kazuki. I don't Sizen something another anime that's popular had a movie. Like we've gotten all of those. Why it's on earth do we not have the boy in the hair in at our local theater? It is baffling to me. Um, I had planned accordingly, but yeah. Um, but this was the first Studio Ghibli film I saw on release in a theater. Every other Studio Ghibli film I watched at home first, and now I've seen. I don't, I can't remember. I don't think I got to see Spirited Away on the big screen, but I've seen Howl's Moving Castle on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as for me, I, I love a theatrical experience, especially, um, it, it really grabs me and makes me watch it more. I feel an obligation to give my full attention in a theater. I don't always at home. And so getting to see this on the big screen, I actually saw this in an IMAX. Um, nice. 
which it's like Fomax. It's not, I didn't get to go like the best IMAX screen that is in our area, but I, I went to an IMAX screen. Um, and man, what a gorgeous movie. Like the animation is phenomenal in this, uh, for sure. Right. Like the look of it, like it's so seeing it on the, the biggest screen I could, I'm very happy I got to do that. But no, yeah, you're, you're a very lucky man seeing it on as big a screen as that. Um, as a side note, this will be released on streaming wherever Ghibli films are in your area. So it'll be on Max, where in territories where you can get HBO Max or Max and internationally Apple TV or Netflix uh, in 2024 at some time. So if you don't want to go and see it or you can't because it isn't playing near you, it will be available to stream at some point next year, probably spring or summertime. Um, but yeah, let's get into it then. Uh, you've mentioned the animation, so I'll jump in and say absolutely. It, this is, you know, Miyazaki will not let this kind of 2D handwritten style, uh, hand-drawn style of animation die, and I am so glad that he and won't. This is the first movie that Hao Miyazaki apparently actually had co- more collaborators on. Like, he's always had additional animators, but yeah, yeah. from... And I'm getting this from uh, the Big Picture podcast and Blank Check podcast. Um, and I think a little bit from the, the film cast. So I listened to three podcasts about this movie prior to our recording, partly because we're recording this later than we usually do. Um, but I think that's an important detail with this because uh, I, I wish I had picked up on some of these things. I, I did not. My, I've only seen this once, um, but like, I guess some characters aren't drawn exactly the same in, in parts of the movie because how actually did back away from this. And it took like, I think they've been working on this for seven years. If I remember yeah, correctly, COVID. Uh, took a big big hit on this as you can imagine and so uh you know that i just think that's an an important part um it like of noting this one is it's still hand-drawn it's still like what we come to expect from how miyazaki but he out of necessity had to allow other people to help him more so than he has ever in any other production so uh this is like given the nature of what the film does seem to be discussing this idea of legacy uh, and what we leave behind and whether it matters or not. um, It's interesting that he had the most help on a, on a film. Yeah. Especially when knowing Miyazaki and his, you know, well publicized strive for perfection in all of his films, he is a perfectionist and, you know, some may bristle at that. Others will just look at the work that he himself has directed and say, well, you cannot argue with the man's filmography. Um, so for him to be able to turn around now at the ripe old age of 82 and have that, uh, I don't want to say more collaborative, but have more collaborators on board with the art is, is telling. And it makes me think that this probably will be his final um, film. Um, even though the last one he did, the wind rises would have been a superb send off. But John is the boy in the heron, a fitting send off for one of the, all-time great storytellers of world cinema. Yeah. Yes. I liked the boy in Heron JB. Um, if you want to get into the discussion of, is this his best film or is this one of the best Ghibli films I've ever been? Maybe not. Maybe it isn't his best film. Maybe it's not the best uh, studio Ghibli film, but I think this is still a very strong film and it really, really just highlights again, the strength of Miyazaki and the team there at Ghibli because this film, the animation is great. But you can't help but watch it. I'm sure you thought the same. You can't help but watch it and think, I recognise that from that film, from your own film. This reminds me of Spirited Away at one point. This reminds me of Princess Mononoke. This reminds me of Ponyo. This reminds me of The Wind Rises, your last film. There's lots in there which feels very much like he's almost subconsciously or unconsciously taking the best that he's done 
and putting him into this package, which he's given us to leave us for his legacy and tying it up in a rich yet heavy thematic narrative. This is, I believe a PG 13, this film, um, which is a 12 a in the UK. And whilst watching it, the first, the first thing I thought of was, you know, I've introduced my seven year old to my neighbor Totoro. I would not uh. introduce her to the boy and the heron just yet because, and then she, you know, she watches, you know, cool, um, stuff like Goosebumps and Wednesday and all that. But I think some of the imagery in this film, depending on the the young child, could be a little bit too scary, especially with the heron. You know, it gets a little bit weird with the heron and some of the, uh, i say, on-screen violence you see as well. Could um, upset younger children. But what I like about that is in this film, it, it's not holding back. It starts... You know, it, it it starts in you know the the tail end of World War Two. Obviously, Miyazaki. That's a a touch point in his life in an era he goes back to an awful an awful lot, and it's got a fantastic, fantastic opening scene. You're talking about animation, JB. The opening scenes of this film oh. are insanely animated, but also incredibly played out um, throughout this. It's kind of like this. Fa- what, what Miyazaki's always done well, and he does well in this film as well, and I will say as well, I don't think the film's perfect, we'll mention that in a minute, but how he's able to merge reality and these like, wildly fantastical elements is is nearly unmatched, I think. And he does that in, in this intro so well, and it leads into a first half of a film which is um, fairly, you know, I'll say ponderous, but they're setting up his they're setting up the life of mojito and the challenges he's now facing given what happens in those early scenes uh before the second half just explodes into the the bonkers imagination of miyazaki now i know that uh, a lot of people and i'm interested to hear your thoughts on this and shortly as well that i know a lot of people say the second half lost them a little bit but I mean, it, I don't find that there's anything inherently different here to something like Spirited Away, which if you think yeah. about what happens in that film, is it's crazy. And I, and with Ghibli films, especially Miyazaki, I do think you need to hold on to the fantastical elements a bit more, that this is telling a story. It's it, 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 There are metaphors throughout this, uh, and it's telling a story of loss, of grief, of comprehension, and acceptance and moving on. You know, heavy themes but it's told through a very dreamlike lens, like a lot of the other Ghibli films. And I do think if you lose sight of that, then that second half will be too much for some people. And I, I get that. And it, 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 or it just may not be for you, but I, I, I very much enjoyed that second half of the film. And I think the voice acting is great. I think Robert Pattinson is oh. strangely channeling his inner Willem Dafoe in this. I was like, Oh, it's Willem Dafoe's the bird. And it turns out that he wasn't, um, well, he's a well, bird. He's a bird. Um, yeah, but I think he's he's really good. The young youngster Luca Padavan as Mojito is is really very good. It's just a very yeah. strong voice cast across the board. You get these A list actors sometimes, and they don't know how to uh, how to, how to adapt to this new way of acting. It's voice acting. It's not you know physical on screen. I think everyone here did a really did a very very good job, and it's a funnier film as well. I'm sitting there saying it's very dark and very heavy. There are some moments in this which are very funny, uh, which made me laugh more than some of the people in my theatre, which you know, I'm not embarrassed about whatsoever. You get fascist parakeets, guys. I mean, come on. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a beautiful movie about understanding and moving on. But, John, 
I wonder if you can guess what my only real criticism of the film is. Oh, um, same as same as ever. Same as ever. It's too long. You think it's too long? I I don't think it's. I don't think it's too 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 long. But I think it for, for for where we go in that first half before we really explode into the second half of this film. I think it takes just a little bit, little long get, getting there, and a little long there as well, a little too long. But I'm only, I'm talking, not mm. a lot. There were moments in it though where I was waiting for it to kind of push on or to wrap up. I think the film asks a lot of questions or posits a lot of ideas and doesn't always wrap them up. It kind of, you know, Mahito will get to certain situations and he'll be asked to, uh, he'll be asked to come uh, make a major decision, and we don't necessarily get steps to that. Um, but it, it's there. Um, but I do think just ever so slightly, and and even that, John, I am I am picking that nit so badly. I'm nitpicking so much there, and that really is. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I want to hear your thoughts now. But that really is for me really the the main problem of the film. And that isn't even a problem. Is that it's it's ten minutes maybe over what I would have probably thought it needs to be. But everything I love about Studio Ghibli and specifically Miyazaki's films is in this film and i think the animation is stellar and if this is his final film though i do think the wind rises his last one is probably better this is still an extremely strong film to go out on john but um i'd love to hear your thoughts about this at once ponderous at the other point existential film i'd love to know what you think so i um I, I really like it and I, I i needed to hear some podcasts explain it because i did feel like it, I didn't quite get the point of it when it ended. Um, I think the I don't think we mentioned the the original title. Like it is, how do you live? And for American release mm. and other country release, they decided to change it to the boy and the heron. Um, I think how do you live? And this is kind of a uh, I'm I'm going to be summarizing what a lot of the podcasts have said, but they helped me shape my thoughts a little bit more. Um, but okay. I think how do you live is is such a better title because that's really what the movie's about right it hits yes. the opening sequence his mother dies in a, a fire at a hospital and now the question is posed how do you live how do you keep living mm-hmm. after it is also about a boy and a heron as well just for anyone who hasn't seen it <laughs> that I is mean, still very true they're there but the heron's not that yeah, essential mm-hmm. like he vanishes for large chunks of the the fantasy world you know what i'm saying like if if yeah. it was literally about him and the heron traveling through the fantasy world together but like that would be like if you called um, Spirited Away the the girl and the dragon when yeah. the dragon's not yep. there for that long. Like he's important when he shows up, but he's not the centerpiece. Uh, you know, it's Sin's story. It's the boy story here. And like you mentioned, like the Heron's in the, the peripheral for that first half before he enters the fantasy world. But he's not like in that opening sequence, he poses as an antagonist, but yes. then he's not. And it's like. It, it, it does its own thing because the, the actual conflict of the story is internal, right? It's grief. It's, it's dealing with mm-hmm. this loss and finding out how do you, how do you keep going? How do you, how do you live? And yeah. that is when you look at the wind rises as the comparison piece to this, and it's necessary to do so. Cause when wind rises came out, that was his last film yeah. and that so- was supposed to be his farewell. And it's very, very much grounded in reality compared to that this is, one. Yeah. I like the fantasy stuff. However, and I don't know if I felt this way the first time I saw Spirit Away. I've I've seen Spirit Away a lot and I've taught Spirit Away, so like I have really done my my research on that film. 
uh, to a point where it's probably unhealthy with the amount of like content I can talk about with that movie. But, um, and I have, I don't have that luxury here because I've only seen it once and I, but I, that's why I went to these other podcasts, um, to hear their thoughts. And, uh, you know, I was relieved to hear that people who have raved about how Miyazaki also felt this is, it's, it's brilliant. You can't deny it's incredible, but it still doesn't feel like top Miyazaki, right? Yeah, like, no. Not to me. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay with that. Especially, I think a lot of the story feels like a D and D game where like a character is mm. like, Oh, what's that thing? And then the other person just has to like vamp for five minutes. Like, Oh, that's the Walla Walla. He, goes these the baby spirits ascending mm-hmm. and then oh the pelicans eat them it's like why why do the pelicans eat them things what? just happen and people just get to places where weird things happen and you just kind of go with it but yes it's that fantasy stuff which i can I, you look at it through that lens so, and i can get on board with it but the thing is i like fantasy that like i don't feel like he explains stuff in spirited away i think there's just stuff that happens and you're just like you just got to go with it. Like there's a few scenes where they kind of explain things, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in spirit away where like, you got to do your own research to understand what he's referencing. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the Shinto religion that I would, I know zero about, but now I know a lot about because I had to read about it. So I could understand what happened in this movie. Um, I didn't know how prevalent bathhouses were because they aren't a thing here in the States. You know, like I didn't know that was a, a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, there's a movie this year called perfect days uh, about a dude who, goes to a bathhouse frequently like it's incredible movie um and yeah like so those things were i was getting hung up watching it because i'm like wait what why these scenes don't really go together there's a lot of like ideas that just feel pasted into the story and that's where i think you're right about it being too long is that the you could easily remove some of the scenes and it would change nothing yeah yeah. Other than a cool experience, because those moments are are incredible, right? Like while while they're happening, you can't like, oh, this looks incredible. This is an, this is such a, a impressive piece of animation. Well, they feel as big as, in context of the story, even if yeah, how they got there is quite quick. And you might feel like, oh, well, this expands that world that he's in. It's like, yeah, but the world we were basically told that that world is nonsense at, at one point. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's that's where I think the context of this being his last movie is really important to processing what's happening. Um, because there's a lot of references to his other films. I don't know them all, but, uh, one of the guys that was on the big picture podcast, they had like five people talking about it on that episode, um, points out like, uh, Christian Bale is the same voice actor who plays Hal in Hal moving castle. And the, the Japanese version, the act, the voice actor who is the same character in this movie was also Hal. So like those little details are intentional. Those are not coincidental. And that's true of a lot of little pieces in this movie. You see a lot of his other films in those, those worlds. And so it kind of starts to justify their existence and why they are there. And then to that bigger picture, when you do, uh, when you hear about the story of Mark Hamill's character, uh, we, I don't know how much we should say and not say, but I think that really makes the, the framing of the film come together. And while I was, I, I noticed it on my watch, but I still was, I was struggling with the, the lack of cohesion between the scenes. Like it was really bugging me. This felt choppy, especially when you compare it to something like spirited away, or you compare it to something like house movie castle, which house has moments that feel a little choppy, but once you, understand the whole context of what happens by the end of the film i think they all make sense together mm-hmm. where that didn't happen here i wasn't like oh well now it all makes sense i'm like no those scenes still feel disconnected or disjointed um by comparison 
And I do think there is a degree of this. We're seeing this this year because we've had a lot of master filmmakers drop movies this year. You got Scorsese, you got Hal, you got Ridley Scott, you got uh, Michael Manns with Ferrari, which isn't getting as big of a drop. Um, yeah. um, then even up and coming, but still really big at this point, Nolan, uh, my, uh, David Fincher. Yep. <laughs> um, all of those, I think there's a degree when you know they're master filmmakers that you give them the benefit of the doubt. I totally agree. Yep. And some get more of that. I think Scorsese and how are getting a lot more uh, grace in that regard from critics where I think like Michael Mann Ferrari seems to be a little more split of who's willing to give him a, a, a break for making that movie the way he made it. Um, and, and Snyder, John. Too, sorry. Oh, no, of course, uh, well, yeah. we haven't seen the Snyder one yet, so I don't know how the <laughs> critics are coming down just yet, but not well. Um, I have my predictions, but I, I don't know. Is uh, but so with that in mind, um, I, I very much like this movie. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's one of those films I definitely want to see it again, and I think the more I've sat and contemplated it, the better. Which I think is an important detail of this. I didn't. Now it's important to say I liked it way more after having the context, like kind of the hearing other people talk about it, having the discourse. Yeah, yeah, and that that has made me like the movie more, but while watching it, I was never like, I need to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was never like, this is bad. It was always like, I was, I felt like I was doing a Rubik's cube while watching it, you know, like trying mm -hmm. to solve the puzzle that is yes. how Miyazaki's film. And so while I was frustrated and I wasn't, I wasn't like, when I saw Totoro for the first time, I was just filled with, with joy. joy. Right. Like, I was just like, Oh my God, this is a, a masterclass of, of just child wonderment and ex exploration. Wonder, yeah. And Spirited Away, I, it was more of like, wow, I don't understand everything because I don't know a lot of the re the cultural references here, and that's on me. But I was so hooked into that movie quickly. Through, yeah. And Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, a similar to Totoro, but with a little bit like, like think of the world building. She's like, she's a witch, and like every town has a witch. And I'm like, are we going to explain that? No, no, we're okay. not. It's just the just world that you're in. And I, that's what I felt was like kind of annoying me with this film was that like characters kept explaining things. I'm like, I would rather you not, I'd rather just not understand it. Like, cause it, cause it sounds like you're making it up to me. Like when you're explaining, it, it sounds like you're just giving yeah, some yeah, bullcrap yeah. explanation. Okay. Um, and I don't like improv a lot of times. I don't like improv that I can tell is being improv and that could be false. I might be wrong. If I'm reading something as improv, that isn't improv. Obviously I, I'm wrong, but it still feels like that. And so it makes me not like it. I'm all for improv that tricks me. If I'm like, oh, I, I'm totally in the moment. This feels like you've, you've thought it through um, or it feels organic versus like improv. But when I say that, I do mean like you're improving to, 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 to improv. It feels like you're trying to do achieve. Yeah. Like I want to make you laugh. So I'm just going to yeah, keep it's spitting out stupid jokes. Yes. It feels unnatural. If it feels organic, I will laugh all day long. And a lot of that felt real clunky where it's just like, ah, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, no, please stop. Don't, don't over explain. Some of it is necessary and those moments work. Uh, but in overall though, just, you can't deny the look. And I really do think the character study of, of, um, oh boy, the, the young boy, Mahito, Mahito yeah. um, is incredible. I just think what, like the little quiet moments, uh, like when he first gets to his new house and he like kind of just keels over on the bed and then just sleeps. Yeah. 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 Yeah it's just undeniable you just you feel you his feel sadness well, and, and the moment as well where with well, the moment this is, but especially the moment where his emotion gives way to rage 
and yeah. you know he, he tries to take that out on the heron. It's like it, it, you, you can you, you kind of see what where, where, what's put him in that position and why he would do that, and then how that then obviously permeates the rest of the film. But there are little moments like that where it just feels right given what he's been through. And again, not not to try and beat the crap out of a bird, but you know, the, the actual kind of stages of grief and how he deals with them feel organic. They feel natural. And they feel well developed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you've got to shout out as well. I have to. Um, you may not do, but Joe who says she's score as ever is, I thought it was delicious. Oh yeah, dude, uh, totally Come agree. On. One of my oh. favorite. I don't always notice score, and it's the hardest time. We're in like voting season, and yeah. the hardest time of the year for me is like picking a score because I'm like, I I mostly if a score is done well, I don't notice it because it's bringing me into the movie. Like yeah. I'm, and so uh, a lot of times if a score stands out, it's a bad thing. Not always. And this was one of those where like it stood out, but I was like, I think I was watching this differently. Like I was because I knew the significance of it being my first Studio Ghibli film in the theater on its own, like at its major release. It's Howe's last movie. Like I was like watching so intently. Um, And I had just, I literally went from wish to this. Like I saw wish I had like two hours to kill. Then I saw this. And while I, I don't think wish deserves the hate that it's getting, um, I think it's getting way too much hate. I don't think, I mean, by comparison, leaps and bounds different, right? And I was hey. not giving Wish my full attention. Like, I will 100% admit I was playing Disney's Emoji Blitz while watching <laughs> Wish. Um, because I was the film's like, fault as well. Let's, it is. Let, let's kill that. Because a film, a film like The Boy and the Heron, if you watch it at home and you're not fully into it, you may also end up playing uh, Emoji Blitz. But if you're watching it, this is, the, this is why I think it's so important to watch a film like on the cinema at the cinema, sorry, because even if, like you and I, I, I I'd also agree. Well, whilst watching it, didn't always quite get what was going on in terms of uh, any any references or touch points which I should maybe know about. But um, you know, I was drawn in because it had my attention at home. Who who knows? And yeah, wish wish was fine. Like I said last week, it's, it's okay, it's fine. But yeah, for you to see that and then this, it's yeah. I imagine that was more mm. of a telling comparison. It, it is um, now. So we, we should move on because we have a couple of other topics to get to, but I do have one major question for you, um, yes. which we, we have our Bampies coming up. So we got to be a little Ooh. mindful. There's, there's some heavy competition for me with animation this year. Gotcha. And I think um, a lot would assume that this movie would, would just skyrocket to everyone's top tier list. Mm-hmm. And it's in my five for sure. Yep. But I, I don't think it's my one. Like, I, I don't think it... Because it, it, I think there's a lot of little nitpicks that I can do with this movie that I I don't have with the movie that is my one. I know some people do have. Um, I think we I are one and the same there in that. The, the film which I think I'd put as my number one, I don't consider there to really have any fat on the bones there. It's, it's, it's all meat on those bones. Whereas Boy in the Heron has all the meat and just a few flecks of little bits i'd shave off here and there but there is one one maybe two where i'd say i think they have this one topped simply on that side maybe even on a technical level but to storytelling yeah. and emotion i mean this is this is certainly up there with all of them i like you it's definitely in my top five so i will i will save my thoughts on that for our episode yeah. but it also plays into our next discussion but um it does yeah yeah i wanted to yeah i wanted to shout out joe hisashi when, when we're talking about bampies high chance joe hisashi's score could be in the running for one of my favorite scores I, of the I year would, 
thinking it's going to be one of my my votes for the CACF too. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I I have to actually confirm that this is eligible because I don't I don't think it's screened for us. Um, um oh damn it, I've got two um critics votes to get in for 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 my organizations and damn this is going to be tough it's been a stacked year for a lot of these categories but we could have worse uh problems to have my friend um all right before we wrap up then this is currently made uh just north of a hundred million dollars uh internationally which is um a huge take in so far um i enjoyed this film very 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 much if this is the last film for miyazaki then well, it's a, I think it's a very, a very, very strong way to end what has been one of the great runs of uh, any director or filmmaker ever. I will say that right now. Uh, John, anything you want to add to The Boy and the Heron before we jump on? Uh, no, I think that's that sums it up nicely. Well, there we go then. The Boy and the Heron, like we said, it's in theatres everywhere now and it will be on uh, whichever streaming service carries Ghibli films in your territory uh, between spring and summer next year. But if you can see it on the big screen, we would recommend that you do. So we are now going to move on to our next segment, Concessions of a Cinephile. And here we switch to movie motivated conversations of any variety that could include headlines, trailers, top five best of competitions whatever it may be we're keeping it on brand for this week though and we're going to have a little chat now we have it, it's twofold and we've kind of already mentioned one of them but we're going to be discussing our or revealing our favorite studio ghibli films with the aim of then kind of deciding which is our favorite ghibli film and also asking the question which i do think this is a very pertinent question certainly in recent years should animated films be nominated for a best picture oscar as well as in the best animated feature category mm-hmm. uh, i think i think that's a huge huge question to ask but studio yeah. ghibli has been i mean they've been making films since the early 80s and have released some of the greatest animated films and to our second point potentially some of the greatest films ever produced uh and that's that's my opinion that's also the opinion of a lot of people out there in the world so john i want to know though first actually i want to know what's your you, you've kind of touched upon it your relationship with studio ghibli when did you first start getting into it and um and how did that come about i want to hear some of your favorite um, films from there my friend not long ago um mm-hmm. i don't remember for sure i i saw spirited away before blank check covered how miyazaki but um i i was aware of them like obviously like totoro i'd seen all over the place like i used to manage fye which is like a cd dvd music store and we had a whole anime corner of like anime like stuff like uh we had totoro stuffed animals and stuff like that so i was aware of them but had never seen them and then taylor was interested in the stuff so i finally the blu-rays became affordable like i I think i got spirited away for like 15 bucks and i bought my neighbor totoro for like 15 bucks and so we started with those together when i started burke reviews so like 2016 Mm -hmm. um and then when Blank Check announced they were doing How Miyazaki, I'm like, cool, I'm going all in. So I've only really seen Howl's films from Studio Ghibli, with the exception of Grave of the Fireflies and The Secret World of Arietti, which I just watched that like a few months ago. Um, but I saw uh, Grave of the Fireflies a few years ago. Oh, um, but I've seen every How Miyazaki film, including his non-Ghibli films, uh, because yeah. I was listening along on the Blank Check, and I couldn't couldn't resist. Um, but... I, I was really taken with Spirited Away and Totoro right away. Um, it took a couple of viewings of Howl's Moving Castle to really like wrap my head around it. But like I've I like all of Howl's films. The only uh, the lowest rated film I have is Castle in the Sky, which is his first Ghibli film, and I have that at three stars still. So like 
you know that and that might be on me maybe it was when i watched it i wasn't in the right headspace for it it just didn't quite click for me the same but then like subsequently every time i watched one i was really blown away yep i think once you know what you're getting from these films and we mentioned that in the boy in the heron review once you understand what you're getting into with a miyazaki film slash ghibli then i think you can give yourself over it to a bit more if you just hear something like spirited away oh it's the best animated film of all time it's been hailed as and if you go and watch it just knowing that and you're met with everything you get in that film you you may be blindsided and it may actually put you off but if so if you have a kind of understanding at least before that of what you're getting yourself into and how miyazaki structures his films and how he presents his metaphors and allegory and themes then i think you can really i think these films are much easier to get into uh something like totara like you say that that is just an expression of joy and that is probably one which is probably very easy to start with and say watch that one because you still get the weirdness but it's not quite as amped up as it is in certain other films um i got into ghibli again not not a million years ago i've mentioned it on this show many times over the last few years that it's been a huge gaping hole in my gap list for the longest time studio ghibli and i and i've never really known why i don't know if it's because of the accessibility well, that's part of it for sure because it wasn't on streaming until a couple of years ago like you couldn't get it digitally at all and, and the blu-rays were not cheap like i even when i Still said not. they were affordable i was about 15 bucks each you know and that was disney uh did the dvd release here in the states i don't know if they did that in the uk or not uh, I know they have handled it internationally over here as well. Uh, I think the 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 films are now on Netflix over here. They're all still on Netflix, and the DVD, the Blu-ray slash DVD for new still aren't cheap. I get them where I can from your FYE or CEX over here. I've got uh, quite a lot of them actually up on my rack, and I've paid you know no more than maybe ten bucks for them, and that and that's kind of then they're, they're the ones like Spirited Away or Mononoke, your, your major players. Some of them I picked up for about three bucks, which is great. Um, but I'm building out that collection, which will be cheaper than buying the overall box set, which I was going to get at one point. But yeah, I, I, in the, within the last, I want to say five years, I've really started watching them and I've made it a goal of mine to watch all of them, the, Miyaz- the Miyazaki ones, and then the ones directed by um, Izao Takahata, Goro Miyazaki, his son, and the other the other directors as well yeah i, I heard know. his son's not great yeah his son sucks <laughs> um no well um i take that back he's a, i'm sure he's a lovely guy but this this stat is a little bit skewed so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say what it is and i'm actually gonna amend backtrack on it a little bit but three of the five lowest rated ghibli films are directed by his son goro miyazaki but one of them though is in is in the kind of low 80 percent on rt Okay, so I'm just going to say that right now. But So two of the lowest rated are by him. Uh, the Earwig and the Witch got 28% on RT critically and yeah. Tales from Mercy, 38%. And then From Up on Poppy Hill um, has... Uh, that's still 87%. So it's not exactly like it's a flop by any means. But uh, yeah, Miyazaki, I know... Uh, Hayao Miyazaki he wasn't entirely keen on, on, on his son taking over or doing Tales of Earthsea because the author of that story wanted Hayao Miyazaki to do it because this is following on from Spirited Away and you know for for, for for all of that Hayao was really not pleased with how it turned out um and it's only eventually only, only in recent years has he become more and more not accepting but I guess I don't know positive about his son's work but I think I don't think it's more about he hates his son I think it's more that this is Studio Ghibli this is in a sense it is it is Asia's Disney it is you want everything you want has to come out has to be to Miyazaki's 
it's high standards. And if it isn't, then of course he's going to be unhappy with it. This guy has built his career, his company and his legacy on perfectionals in his eyes. So anything less than that or something which he can't maybe control, I understand why he wouldn't be so keen on anyone else doing it, even if it is his own flesh and blood. But yeah, I'm trying to get through as many of them as possible because I'd love to be able to say, yep, I've seen all of them. And to be fair, I think I've seen a high percentage of them, including, um, uh, and in terms of Miyazaki, Norsaku, The Valley of the Wind, which isn't a Ghibli film, but some may, some will list it as a Ghibli film, but it isn't. Like you said, Castle in the Sky is the first kind of official release, but Norsaku, The Valley of the Wind is bloody good. That, it that, is. If it was a If it was a straight-up Ghibli film, that is in my top three, no doubt. However, it isn't. But yeah, I I've, um, no, it's I, 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 I watched that. I watched that one about two years ago. And again, knowing kind of what to expect helps me out a little bit. And also the Miyazaki has many themes in his films, especially around the environment and things like that. And it really hits home in that film as well. But yeah, last few years I've been getting into them more and more. Uh, there are some I absolutely adore and some and most I think are just at least very good. I don't really think I've come across one yet that I think, yeah, that wasn't great at all. I haven't seen the, the, the some of the newer ones, which haven't got as glowing reviews, but then like, the Red Turtle from a few years back got hugely glowing reviews. But yeah, a few years now I've been uh, enjoying them, JB, and I've kind of been binging them. But if you had to um, give some of your favorite ones, what would you give? So for my, if I were going to go my top three, I'd say Spirited Away 1, Howl's Moving Castle 2, and Porco Rosso 3. And uh I, I really loved Porco Rosso. That was the biggest sh- surprise to me because I had heard the least about it. And I also like, I'm just like, it's, it's a pig pilot. And that's another great example. They don't explain why he's a pig, <laughs> like not outright. Like, I mean, there's some, you can infer some stuff, but it's not like a witch put a spell on it. Like there's none of that. It's, that's not the point. He's, he's a pig. Um, and in a human world, like everyone else, he was a human. Now he's a pig. That's it. Um, but, uh, you know, it has so much of the house stuff and it's, it's definitely one it's geared towards adults, but not like in Mononoke and Boy and the Heron is like geared towards adults in that it's violent and a little maybe too much for a kid. Porco Rosa is like midlife crisis movie. Like it is it's so uh, about this old pilot and him coming to terms with stuff. Um, it really it, it kind of shocked me how much I enjoyed that one. And I definitely think a lot of that was Michael Keaton's voice acting. Uh, but yeah, those are that would be my three. Although. Um, I, again, I love Totoro so much. And, uh, I also like Nausicaa. I wasn't thinking it wasn't Studio Ghibli. I know it's him. Um, but yeah, I, Nausicaa is incredible. It's, I mean, on Wikipedia on one, on one, one list has it as a Ghibli and another one it isn't. So make your mind up, but I'm, I'm choosing to say that it isn't per se. Uh, but you know, somebody out there can tell me that I am wrong. Uh, mine, I've gone Spirited Away as well. My three or three, I've kind of gone for four, but it's a joint. Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, and I couldn't pick between Grave of the Fireflies and The Wind Rises. I said before, Grave of the Fireflies isn't an enjoyable film. It's not a film you watch and get yeah. Totoro levels of joy. It is, it is confounding. It's it's soul crushing. It's heavy. It's emotional, but it is an incredibly well-presented film. The way it deals, again, like a lot of these films, the way it deals with its messages and the themes and what it's trying to get across is handled so well to the point where it is one of the greatest films set in wartime I've ever seen. But it isn't one, similarly to something like your Schindler's List, I think I can't, with all kind of best intentions, say, guys, tonight, sit, sit down and watch that tonight and get your popcorn in and you, and, you know, immerse yourself in it because of the heavy themes involved however grave of the fireflies is one of the best animated films i've ever seen 
um, as is the wind rises. Two, uh, yeah. obviously, the other two we'll get to because they're, they're they're your staples. But the wind rises, I think, is so damn good. And you mentioned it in our review just now, but it's so much more grounded than um, a lot of the other work, especially the boy and the heron. You still get these wonderful dream sequences, of course, mm-hmm. but it's almost like Oppenheimer esque. And I know this came first, but in the idea that you've got somebody who, who's a designer who designs things and who then has to face up to the potential of what his creations will bring. And then I know that other people just trying to, other people are saying, well, it could be for the advance. You know, this could be for the better. You know, you've got to start somewhere, even if it does bring a bit of pain. Um, and the, the, the emotional resonance between the, the main character and his wife is so devastatingly well done. It's just an incredible film. And I do think The Wind Rises is a better film than The Boy and the Heron. And I would put it above this latest film, which is why I said earlier on, had he gone out on that film, you know, what a way to go out. However, The Boy and the Heron certainly hasn't uh, done anything to sully his legacy. But um, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Away is one of the most imaginative, immersive and fantastical films ever made. Genuinely is. Yeah. You know, when you see the growth of the young character, um, Chihiro, Sin. Yeah. it's... It's insane, and and again, if, if you were to describe it to somebody for how you get from A to B to C, you'd probably think it's it's absolute rubbish. But no, it it really isn't. And I just wanted to read this out as well, JB. This is probably my favourite review on Letterboxd, and sometimes I don't like Letterboxd reviews because they're a bit too smarmy for me. But this one is by a dude called David Jenkins, and I liked this years ago. It's it's about my neighbour Totoro. His review of the film is. I would have loved to have written this. He just says, and here, here we go. My neighbor Totoro, no plot, no central character, no antagonist, yep. no defined purpose for side characters, no threat, no three acts, no jokes, no punchlines, no explanations, no internal references, no catchphrase, no political polemical voice, no melodrama, no lessons, no beginning, no end. One of the best films ever made. And, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if people want to mm-hmm. poke holes in that and say, well, some of those aren't entirely accurate. I, I, you know, I can't argue with the overall statement there in that this is just yeah. a incredibly joyous, wonderful slice of a movie. And there are things in there. There are there are very emotional yeah. beats in there with the mother and uh, May, a young May who's missing. Um, but the the relationship between the two sisters and their father and the mother, of course, uh, the music. I listen to this music. I think it's other than maybe La La Land. I think this is my most listened to soundtrack of all time, the My Neighbor Totoro one, and also Spirited Away. Uh, those two soundtracks are very important for me just to go to sleep to sometimes, but I listen to them so much, they mean a lot. But yeah, that 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 summation of My Neighbor Totoro is, is just it, and it's similar. You, know, you could use similar ones for Spirited Away, where it's you mentioned like the dust mites, dragon people, smoking frogs, um, the dragons parents turning into pigs and all this other stuff yet you could still end it off with one of the best films ever made despite all those crazy wacky things so uh, yeah my spirited away i know it's most people probably say well of course but how, how can you not i mean i get you may not be it may not be in everyone's top three but how can you not consider it one of the best animated films ever but yeah totoro and the wind rises slash grave of the fireflies if i was to watch one now it would be the wind rises because it's a little less heavy jb yeah, I, I I totally feel that. Um, now to kind of push our conversation into the mm-hmm. Oscar talk because Boy Come and back. the Heron is going to uh, yes, Boy and the Heron is going to 
be on people's list for the Oscars for sure. Like it's that type of prestige. You have this big name director. And again, we mentioned it's a big director year. So the, I started wondering like with 10 movies, will the boy and the Heron get a best picture nominee? So I was like the, the first time it happened was beauty and the beast 1992, which then prompts the following year that we get the first time the best animated feature is a category mm-hmm. um, because the, uh, the Academy Award was like, wow, we only have five spots for best, uh, picture we can't give it to these kids movies which the academy still what well, wasn't the last year one of the, the awards like speech like the, the uh the people who introduced the best animated like made a joke about it not just being for kids like we really need to get past that everybody it's a medium and if you've seen any of the, the how miyazaki films you could make a very strong argument they're not all for kids yeah um this and they're not all, when we say that they're not also like grown-up gross adult things either you know like again Porco Rosso is not a sexual film. Like, there's not nudity in any of the Ghibli films. None of his films are. None of the Miyazaki yeah. films have anything so, to do with sex or anything. Well, you have, like, Perfect Blue, which has a lot of sexuality. That does, That's not what we mean when we say they're not all for kids. Like, it doesn't have to be extreme adult or kids. It can be, like, an adult drama in animation. Um, but Beauty and the Beast prompts that. Um, there's only been three movies nominated for Best Picture that are animated in the history of the Oscars. Okay. Beauty and the Beast, Up, and Toy Story 3. And otherwise, the, with the exception, again, Beauty and the Beast is nominated and then pushes uh, for the the category to be created for Best Animated Feature. So both Up and Toy Story, I think, win their respective years for Best Animated. Neither have None have won for Best Picture, but they've been nominated. Um, and obviously, we're seeing a trend there, right? Those are two Disney films. I'm sorry, two Pixar films and a Disney film, which obviously Disney buys Pixar yes. uh, and owns Pixar when both of those movies are nominated for the record. Like, it's not like Toy Story 1 was nominated for Best Picture. Now, with that in mind, I thought it also would be interesting to note how Miyazaki's only been nominated for three of his films for Best Animated Feature. Okay. Uh, and only, only one has won. That's got to be you spirited know, away. Spirited Away wins in 2003. Yes. Howl's Moving Castle is nominated. Only three movies make it to the best animated feature nominations that year. Only three movies are on that list, but it loses. Do you know what it loses to in 2006? Uh, 2006, Shrek the third? I don't know. No. Uh, and honestly, I would I would have had less. Actually, the critical reception of the Shrek movies would have shocked me that it, would, it won for three. But no, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit wins. Um, well, those films and the and the guys over at Ardman, have, you know, their animation is on point. Uh, if, uh, uh, yeah, in in that year, I'm glad that it was a I want to say like a non-standard animated film. One, it's obviously a claymation film. Yeah. So, well, it was also uh, the third movie because it's House Movie Castle, Wallace and Gromit is Tim Burton's Corpse Bride, which I Good think film. is also claymation. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, or a form oh. of at least. Yeah. But yeah, I I I've not seen any of the Wallace and Gromit films, admittedly. Like, so it's a it's a gap for me. But I just can't take it. Like when I'm like, but but how's Moving Castle? Like, I, it's Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Werewolf. I don't care how well it's animated. It just sounds like such a slight of a film by comparison. Maybe comparison. it's not. Um, but, well, I was looking at the list you've done there, and we could also be like, well, where's where's Toy Story? Where's all these other films that aren't listed? But I was just looking at what 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 studio Ghibli films were released in these years that Beauty and the Beast up and Toy Story were nominated. 
that could have been eligible for nominations. In 1991, um, Isao Takahata, and this is Studio Ghibli, his film Only Yesterday was released, which would have been nominated for Best Animated Feature or Best Picture. This is 100% on RT and 90 Metacritic. This is a very well-acclaimed film. In 2009, when... Um, it was released in 2009 for the 2010 Oscars when Up was nominated. There were no Ghibli releases, so we can't uh, say anything there. And in 2011, with Toy Story nominated, the only film eligible from Ghibli was Arietti, which has a longer title, but Arietti, directed by Hiramasa Yonabayashi, 94% RT, 80 Metacritic. So um, there are there are there are films that were released, but the funny thing is, JB, I haven't seen either of them. So, yeah, having not seen either of those two films that were eligible in the years that Beauty and the Beast and Toy Story 3 were nominated, I can't say whether they should have been, but however, critically, it looks like they should have been in for a shout. But obviously the question is, should these films, uh, should animated films be nominated in in both categories? And, and yeah. I think just to tie back in real fast, uh, because I'm thinking since um, the best animated like how was nominated only three times. That was the other thing. I guess I didn't say, but uh, Spirited Away, How's Moving Castle doesn't win. Spirited Away wins. Wind Rises is also nominated. It loses. So 2014, you know what wins? Frozen. Frozen. Uh, yep. Obviously, hard to argue against as Frozen is a juggernaut of a process where Wind Rises is, is a great hard movie. Hard to but, argue against, but if, yeah. if you stack them up and and regardless yes. of seeing it 9,000 times over COVID, I do, I do think Frozen is a very good film. You stack yeah. them up together, though. Yes, one is culturally a juggernaut. The other one is a far superior film. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. And a more impactful story. And again, we thought was the end of his career. And that is kind of what I think is important with the boy and the herring discussion, right? Like if, if the wind rises was supposed to be the swan song of this iconic man who was given an honorary award in 2015, uh, Oscar. So he was recognized after the wind rises by the Academy. Um, and again, he did win best animated feature for spirited away, but so now you got to wonder with all of that, maybe him getting the honorary award was the Academy, maybe acknowledging all crap. We really haven't given this guy his due for what he's done for the industry. Does that push boy and the hair into that level where it gets to be one of only four movies that are animated that are nominated for best picture as well as best animated. And if it does get the nomination for best feature film, does across the spider verse also get it and if if not if you if you nominate the boy and the heron for best feature film right best picture collective it has to win the animated category right like it, you know what i'm saying like how could you say it deserves to be best picture but then not win the best animated yeah, right like it, it feels like if, if your film is nominated for Best Picture, surely the director should be for Best Director. Is that, I know there's less slots, but it, there's always yeah. that argument as well where how come he wasn't out for Best Director? But I think he, that's different in the sense that, like, Best Animated Feature is still giving it to the full movie, right? Like, where oh, yeah. Best Direction, you can have... Harrison, you ha- they have yeah. to win Best Animated. If it's going for Best Picture, it has to win, yeah. Best Unless animated. there are two animated films nominated. Like, if both Across yeah, the Spider-Verse and Boy and the Heron are nominated for Best Picture, then I think it's still... A, one of those two movies is going to win Best Animated. But if it's only one of those two movies nominated for Best Picture, it feels like it has to win Animated. Because, now, the, the crazy thing is... Could an animated film in t- today's Oscars actually win Best Picture? Oh. And it doesn't seem likely, especially it may, this year. 
the field feels real tight to me. Um, so I, I can't imagine it pulling out a victory, even if it gets the nomination. And then that leads into a different debate. Why have a separate category if it's eligible for the, the main category? Yep, um, yep. And because there's no, but it's, it's, well, I don't consider animation to be a genre. And I think this year's slate proves that because there's a lot of different genres in the animation. Um, I, I, I am not opposed to having genre winners uh, in the Oscars. Like the Globes does, they do comedy and a musical. I don't understand why those get lumped together, but um, I'd love to see like horror movies getting recognition at the Oscars in a yeah. category too but you know um I quite liked your idea um well your, your your idea joint idea that hey look let's ha- let's have genre categories and then each winner goes into the best picture mm-hmm. um so so every genre has a fair go because if you ask me now if i had a spare 10 pounds or spare 10 bucks do i think in the next 10 years an animated film will win best picture oh no way am i putting it on that yeah, because same the because the, the academy for rightly or wrongly and, and everybody knows it. Ha, ha, they have their their vision of what a best picture should be. Now, last year maybe started to say that that's a little bit different because you had everything everywhere all at once win, which not only did it come out earlier in the year, but it does not scream Oscar bait. And that is the the phrase that people online use. It, you know, sometimes disparagingly, oh, that's just Oscar bait, or that's just there yeah. to win an award or try to get an award. But the Academy does sometimes lean towards those kind of films and they're always live action. Now, do I think we're going to get some animated features in the best picture or at least one? Yes, I think we're going to get at least one. I'd love to see two, but I think we're going to get at least one. And I think we've got the same two as well. Um, I don't think we will. And even if they both in there, I don't think they'll both win it. But uh, sorry, they won't both win it. I don't think either will win it because as of now, it isn't what the Academy are looking for, despite the fact that, I mean, you look at The Wind Rises, the, the story in that is best picture. Uh, it's got, it, it, it's award baits story all over, though it, it wasn't written to be so. That, that And, and if that doesn't even get pushed into the story. Uh, the Boy and the Heron, to me, that has got a story which should be screaming, look at me to the voters. And I don't mean that because they're all narrow-minded and only look for certain things, but the story, the themes, the messages, and the way it's presented is of such a high caliber that it should be getting um, looked at on those high t- t- the top, the highest tables. And you want to add in the fact that it's Miyazaki's p- probably potentially final film. And we know the Oscars like to sometimes give out awards to those who are deserving. People would say Gary Oldman, people would say Jamie Lee Curtis, even Leo DiCaprio for The Revenant. We know that there's always sometimes sentiment involved. Could, could, uh, but So should it be nominated? Time will tell because we haven't yet seen the final push of Oscar movies. However, as of now, for me, if it was nominated, I'd be very happy to see it nominated for Best Picture. Uh, certainly will get Best Animated. What's going to win that category, though, at the minute is up in the air because, uh, you know, I don't, yeah. I, don't think there's, I don't know if there's any kind of real... You might be able to. Well, you will be able to tell me now because you're you've got, you're the brains of the operation. I don't know if there are any other animated films coming out between now and Oscar voting, which are looked at as high contenders to be um, the winner. There's one more big animated film that's dropping, I think, next week, which is Migration. Yes, the, the duck. Uh, Illumination Duck movie. Um, yes. I don't. I. I wouldn't be surprised if it can get a nomination for best animated. I can't imagine that being the movie that. Uh, 
like topples the ones we've had from this year. Yeah. Um, but it, it could, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, I agree. But um, so, John, the question is that we've posited is should animated films be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar as well as the animated category? What are you saying? Uh, I say, yeah, I, I say if it's the best movie of the year, then yes, I think it deserves the same respect that we give any other movie. Yep, and I'm 100% with you because some of the best films of recent years have been animated, and I stand by that. Just look at the first Spider-Verse film when that came out. It was the best superhero film of the year. It's one of the best films of the year when it came out. Should have got its dues more so than some of the other bigger films that came out that year. So yes, guys, we'd love to know, should animated films be nominated for Best Picture Oscar as well as in the Best Animated Feature? And also, what are your favourite Studio Ghibli films? Are you kind of, are you siding with us and putting Spirited Away in there? Or are you going to move away and go to some of the more uh, undershouted, underappreciated ones? Maybe My Neighbours, The Yamadas, or Whisper of the Heart, or or Only Yesterday, like we mentioned. Maybe that's your favourite Ghibli film. John, what is your favourite Ghibli film? Spirited Away. Spirited Away for me as well. So uh, I think the fact that it was on both of our lists kind of gave it away there. But Spirited Away is our top film uh, together. No arguments there. Let's move on then, JB, to uh, media consumption. And a little bit different this time. I'll explain that shortly. But in this section, we let you guys know the films, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours, anything we've been indulging in the past of time. And and usually we will give our thoughts on the films that we've been watching. We'll give you kind of a brief review and summation of what we think. But we're not going to do that, are we, John? We're going to change it up a little bit, aren't we? Yeah. We're going to start, uh, especially because I am, I've been binging movies a lot. Um, we're going to keep, uh, those kind of to our socials. So if you want to hear more detail, not necessarily every one of these movies that we watch are going to get this treatment, but if we want to tell you about a movie that we watch, that's not the main review for the week, check out our socials. That's where you'll find it. Yep. So we'll give those, uh, the details uh, of where to find the BAMP online later on in the show. But yeah, if you want to hear what John thought about all of these films, or some of them, probably in the newer ones then, uh, check out um, our socials. But John, what have you been checking out then? So I've watched a lot of movies. Obviously, podcast, I, I mentioned already, the big picture, Blank Check, and um, the film cast, which I listened to two of, I, now all three of those. The big picture podcast has become a go-to staple. I've been binging their back episodes of uh, their movie drafts, which is one of my favorite little things they do uh, like once a month. Um, I recommend checking that out. But movies, uh, Perfect Days, I mentioned earlier, is one of my favorite films of this year. It's very much Patterson. That's all I'll say about it. Uh, the Taste of Things, The Color Purple, Finest Kind, uh, which my review for that is at Disappointment Media, Wish, um, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, Black Christmas, the 2006 version. I've seen the other two versions. Um, the ben- Benedict Cumberbatch, The Grinch, um, P2, which is uh, a, mo- a box art I'd seen forever and never knew anything about it. Um, Tokyo Godfathers, which uh, is a ooh, the guy who did Perfect Blue, Shitoshi Khan. I think yes. that's right. Um, I've now seen all of his films this year. I've watched Paprika, uh, Perfect Blue, and Tokyo Godfathers this year. I think there's one more film I have not seen of his. Um, unfortunately, he, he died. But man, Tokyo Godfathers, put that on your list. It's a Christmas movie. I don't know if you know that, but it's a Christmas I movie. I did not know that. Um, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Memory, uh, which will be on, my review for that will be on Disappointment Media in a couple weeks. Miracle on 34th Street, the old one, not the 90s one. That was, I don't like the 90s one. Home Alone. Um, Christmas Evil and <laughs> mm. Holiday Inn. Matt, 
um, Holiday Inn, I, I watched because it's Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby. And uh, I did not know this until recently, but uh, White Christmas, the song, is actually introduced in Holiday Inn and then reused for the movie White Christmas. Um, and it's I actually I agree with the people I've heard who told me that fact that the Holiday Inn version of that song is better. Um, I Bing Crosby's voice well. is a little crisper. But there is a terrible sequence of blackface in Holiday Inn, dude. It, it is, it is brutal. Um, yeah, I have seen that film, and um, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing, but I was looking at the etymology, I guess, of White Christmas. Or how did that become a thing? And that's where I found out that it was in this film called Holiday Inn, and I thought, oh wow, the hotel chain, and then kind of went on a Google yeah. Wikipedia yeah. rabbit hole, and I was like, oh, what the hell am I looking into? So it's, I was aware of that weird fact. Yeah, uh, not the hotel chain. I, I also yeah, thought that. No. Um, but then uh, I reviewed, uh, I can't say much about it, but Letter Kenny is a show I've talked about many times. Also, Shorzy is the uh, spinoff series that I've talked about. Um, the final season of Letter Kenny is coming out uh, day after Christmas here in the States on Hulu. Um, I have seen all six episodes and my review will be up at Disappointment Media. Um, but it, it's it was exciting to get to see a show that I, I wish I could act like I've been a fan the whole 12 seasons. I, I came in super late. I think I came in right before season 11 dropped. Um, I maybe during the pandemic, I like binged all of it or just after the pandemic. Um, and then uh, season 11 came out last Christmas. I watched that right away. Um, and then I've watched both seasons of Shorzy immediately. So I am a fan, um, but I can't talk about it yet. But my review again will be up at Disappointment media. And that's, we, we mentioned the socials a, a minute ago, but we both write reviews too. So let's not undersell that. If you want to know our thoughts on some of these, we don't write a review for everything we watch, of course, but some of these movies our written reviews are up at our, our uh, subsequent website. So feel free to also read our content if you'd like. But if you want short form video of us talking at you, that's what the socials will be for. Yes, sir. Exactly what JB has just said. And you get to see John's face and for better or worse, mine as well. So what could be better? Um, uh, so looking forward to hearing some of your thoughts on those, JB. I'll be checking out our own socials to see those um, me. I've been listening to the horror show nightmare on film street and the double toasted podcast been getting my fill of films old new good and bad via there and i've seen two films which uh will more than likely be dropping on the bamp socials i saw the uh, recent release leave the world behind uh ethan hawk julie roberts mahershala ali should Netflix. i watch that i thought it was decent i, I liked it i thought it okay. was good i thought it was good now i know there's lots of stuff going on about uh, because i think the obamas produced it i think um, I'm believed, and there are lots of people who are getting their arms up. They're up in arms because ah, the you know one political party or political people uh, were behind it or had some kind of involvement. Therefore, I'm not going to like it because I'm on the other side of the political fence. Leave that crap at the door. It's a it's a very decent film. Um, so yeah, I think you should watch it, John. I hope you like it. But the, the cast is stacked. I mean that that cast: Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke is enough for me to want to watch it anyway um so I'll, I'll give some thoughts uh some brief thoughts on the socials over the coming days and eileen as well i watched eileen you watched this one last week didn't you john or, or a recent way and i seem to remember you quite enjoyed it is that right um i wouldn't say i quite enjoyed it i, I liked it more than i didn't i think right. it's uh there's it's flawed but there's some really good stuff in it Yes. Um, okay, that's good then, because I thought for some reason I thought you really liked it, and I didn't want to be the one who came in and said I thought it was okay. It's good. Yeah, I mean, no, it's okay. 
again as a cast so i think you said this last week thomas in mckenzie and hathaway marion island great cast in it but yeah i thought this film was okay we'll give thoughts during the over the next few days about it didn't dislike it would recommend both films if you have a spare two hours and a spare hour and 40 minute but um on that tonight i'm going to finally going to see uh, godzilla minus one tonight oh you still haven't oh, seen it no i haven't no i, I just haven't oh my had God. Time. um so I'm going to see that tonight very within the next three, four hours. Very excited. And then of course, uh, we're going to see next week's film. We'll be discussing. I'm going to see that tomorrow evening. So, uh, some good films coming up and then, uh, anything which has been popping in my inbox over the last week of which I'm so sorry, guys, I haven't checked, but I will be checking it over the next day or so. But um, yeah, that's what we've been consuming. Like John said, check out the bloody awesome movie podcast socials for some short, um, video reviews and check out our own websites and, and blo- socials for written reviews again we'll give those links very shortly but for now we need to tell you we've been doing a show for years you have to stay bloody awesome to be able to do a show called the bloody awesome movie podcast or else we'd be frauds and we are not frauds so john how have you been staying bloody awesome in the last week well i uh started my christmas vacation a week earlier than what i would have done in my old job because college gets out early um so i've been on vacation a whole week before all of my uh former colleagues uh at the high school level um who will be now on today well they'll be starting their vacations but i've i've had one so i've been uh that's why i've seen so many movies too because i'm just like i literally have nothing to do right now so like i'm just at home i'm either playing video games or or watching movies um, and exercising. Cause I'm like, I'm just sitting at home. I have to do, I have to be physical cause I'm not even like leaving the house most days. Um, I have gone out like Christmas shopping a couple of times, which both times I was like instantly like, this was a mistake. There's so many people. Um, I don't like crowds and it's, it's extra crowded this time of year, but, um, yeah, that's the, the gist of uh, what I've been doing. I've just been enjoying some time off and some downtime and uh, getting ready for the next semester. Well earned time off as well. Oh, man, I am envious of you right now. I think I've got another week, about a week of work left, and then I've got a week or so off, and I'm very much looking forward to having – I say I'm going to get a lay in there. That's not going to happen. I've, I've got my kid. But um, some quality time at least. But I am, I'm staying bloody awesome by continuing the Christmas vibes, JB. Just getting stuck into – christmas e activities uh yes i i might be working and jb is enjoying his time off but doesn't mean we can't enjoy christmas christmas vibes still does it um uh, I, I went to a, a christmas market very recently and had a wonderful time there just hanging out with the christmas vibes and eating and drinking all the good christmas things on offer i also just like being around those kind of market vibes because I know, everything, everything just seems happy everything just seems joyous in them in that kind of vicinity for the time whilst you're there um i've got some i've got uh one or two christmas things lined up for the coming days with my kid as well so i'm looking forward to that and also yeah just christmas shopping uh christmas wrapping and i don't mean like hip-hop actually wrapping gifts um so you know continuing the christmas vibes making some hot butter drum i know that's not good for you but damn is it tastes good and enjoying that as well in moderation so yeah continuing the christmas vibes which i'm pretty sure i'm gonna be doing for the next few weeks up until the new year jb but yeah before you know it, it will be Christmas, guys. So yeah, make sure you've got all your stuff wrapped and prepared for when the big man comes down the chimney. Um, but on that, though, that's what we've been doing to stay bloody awesome. I've already mentioned we're doing a film next week. Surprise, we'll be back next week where we'll be covering Wonka. Timothy Chalamet in the lead role of Wonka. You've already seen this, haven't you, John? No, I'm, I'm, I was going to, but I have not. Uh, 
I will either see this today, tomorrow, or Sunday. But yeah, no, I have not had any chance. Um, oh, I skipped oh. our early screening, and I actually thought we were going to get a link, but we didn't. So yeah. I have not seen it yet. No, I was supposed to see it last Sunday, but I couldn't get to London in time. I was also supposed to see the Iron Claw yesterday, but it was mm. at such a stupid time. Um, if, if the PR's listening, it was a brilliant time, but I, could, I was working. I couldn't make it. It's like two o'clock. Um, the Iron Claw, I didn't Man. get to see that, sadly. But Wonka, I will be seeing this weekend, and we're going to be talking about it next week. So come along, check that out. And if you've seen the film beforehand, hopefully you'll agree with what we have to say about it. But now we've mentioned in the last few minutes about checking out our socials to see reviews of the other films we've seen. And there'll be, you know, 30 to 60 seconds. We're talking short, snappy reviews, guys. If you want to find us on Twitter, go to BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where can everyone find us on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Yes, sir. Or just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast on Facebook to find us. Or just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast across all of the socials and you'll find us because we are the only Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast out there. Uh, check out the Tomato Meter on Rotten Tomatoes where we are approved and our reviews go up. So do uh, check out the Boy in the Heron page to see if we make any dent on that already impressive critics score. If you want to find me online, you go to whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and search for What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. John, where are you? I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yes, sir. And if you like what we're doing here, and we, we certainly hope you do. We've been doing it for a long time. Please do drop us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice. You can do it before the episode's finished. It doesn't take long. We would love those five stars because it helps the show grow. It gets more listeners in and it's another avenue for us to hear from more film fans each and every week. But with that, as always, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bl